Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Roto Hour here on SportsGrid. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. I am joined by Ricky Sanders. You can find him uh, at R Sanders DFS. And we are here to uh, today. We're going to talk about some running backs in fantasy football. Ricky just published a piece on Roto experts about Kenyon Drake, which kind of just got us thinking about the running back situation for the upcoming season. And Ricky, I think that uh, people on the outside looking in might be surprised to see Kenyon Drake uh, ranked so high among all fantasy experts in average draft position thus far, where where do you stand on Kenyon Drake right now? So I was working with a hypothesis here because I took a look at the NFC, which is the National Football Championship, uh, their average draft position to this point, just through the month of March. And Kenyon Drake was 26, which to me seemed too low. So I took an extended look at Kenyon Drake, and basically what I came to the conclusion was 26 in ADP was way too low for me. My original hypothesis matched that, and there was a lot of context surrounding that. I don't know how you feel about Drake. We can go through a lot of this, but I think he should be drafted. You know, He should be gone by the 15th pick. There's no question to me after looking at just basically everything with this team. Yeah, so wait, so you think 15th pick overall or, or 15th at running back? 15th pick overall. I think there's a case to be made for him being a, a first round running back. So that is that is pretty interesting. So to give people an idea of uh, kind of so on Roto experts, these are our top 12 players in consensus ranking. Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin and Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be really high in our rankings because 
Well, I mean, we understand math, and Juju Smith-Schuster is a big beneficiary of math. Now, if you're doing drafts right now in the month of March, in the month of April, uh, he's not going to be up that high, right? It's just it's just not going to be the case right now. But I, I think that, Ricky, there is certainly a case that you would rather have Kenyon Drake than Leonard Fournette, right? Um, yeah. Rather than Nick Chubb, because Kenyon Drake is going to catch passes no matter what. Yeah, so I have a lot to say about this subject. So let's just go back to his time with the Cardinals last year. I mean, you look at just that eight-game stretch, 80.4 rushing yards per game, 5.2 yards per carry, and the team didn't even rate that well in terms of their run blocking. I mean, I took a look at the team context, like where he stands now with the Cardinals versus where he was on Houston last year, and Houston's offensive line obviously improved. People are going to use the Laramie Tunsil example, but basically these two teams rank similarly in terms of their offensive line play. And they're both, I think it was Houston was 20th and the Cardinals were 22nd in terms of their run blocking, according to pro football focus. So basically very similar teams in terms of where they stood with a running quarterback. And now where he's going to be this year, you have DeAndre Hopkins as the number one. You had the DeAndre Hopkins as the number one there. Um, but down the stretch, I mean, when we saw Kenyon Drake get the ball, he touched the ball 19 plus times, four times down the stretch with that Cardinals team. He averaged 120 rushing yards, 1.8 touchdowns, all of them rushing, four targets, three and a half receptions, and 31 DraftKings fantasy points. If you look at his time with the Cardinals, just overall, he was over 21 DraftKings fantasy points. Here were the guys for the season that were over, you know, 21 DraftKings fantasy points Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry. I believe that was it in terms of, you know, the guys who comparatively had similar amount of fantasy points. And now you add Hopkins to the mix and we can get to it. But it looks like all the experts are projecting for them this team to take a tackle. So they had some poor offensive line play last year. They still were a top team in terms of yards per rush. I think that was a lot due to, you know, obviously because of Kenyon Drake. Um, some of it had to do with Murray as well. But I think this situation is going to improve for him. So I think, you know, for contextually, when we look at this team and we now know that David Johnson is gone, like this is a guy who's going to get the football a ton. And we already saw him produce. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And certainly this was uh, something that, uh, that I was arguing about with Michael Leone and some of the other Roto expert staff <laughs> when we were looking at our Arizona Cardinals projections. But uh, you know, I had, I had, um, Kenyon Drake projected for a huge chunk of both the rushing and the receiving work in Arizona because last year, you know, David Johnson was basically a healthy and active in these games. Like he was, I think, I think in one game, he got one carry when he was active. And then in a couple other games, he just got none at all. And they have, you know, they, they have uh, another capable, they have another capable backup there in chase Edwards. So they really were not sweating David Johnson at all. But it felt like as long as he was on the roster, you had to pro project him for some work. I think what we're going to see now in average draft position is that Kenyon Drake is going to fly up the boards. And and what's interesting is, I got to say, he was not ever great in Miami. But when he got the work, he was pretty good. So in his career, he had games of 114 yards against New England in a start. He had a huge game against Denver, 23 carries, 120 yards and a touchdown. Big games against Buffalo, big games against San Francisco. And obviously, he was always a great pass-catching running back because 
Kenyon Drake was <laughs> this is this is actually true. Ricky, do you know that the most carries Kenyon Drake ever had in a season in college was 92? He had 92 he had 92 carries as a sophomore at Alabama and that was when he was TJ Yeldon's backup. So this just right. as we're as we're going down this road, the 2013 Alabama Crimson Tide backfield was TJ Yeldon, Kenyon Drake and Derrick Henry, all future NFL running backs, which is just it's it's and Amari Cooper was on that team as well. Like these teams are just so unfair. But yeah, Kenyon Drake was Kenyon Drake never started a game in college. He was always he was always a backup to TJ Yeldon and to Derrick Henry, which is uh just wild. Yeah, and his athletic profile, I mean, coming out of college, if you follow player profiler, was Lamar Miller. So it wasn't like he was like a spectacular athlete. And I'd just like to note the fact that he was a first percentile in terms of the bench press. Davis, he did 10 reps, which honestly, I think I could match at this point. And I'm in quarantine. So, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if you can, ma- I mean, maybe I you could, right. maybe you're, 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 you are, I, I couldn't match him. Right. Cause it, it's, it's what it's, it's reps of the 225 pound bar. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that via stream to see if I could match Kenyon Drake. And I could be a first percentile strength guy in the NFL. That would be <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I think we definitely are going to have to exercise that as we're definitely going to have to exercise that. Um, that that's going to happen. So people stay tuned to the Daily Roto Twitter handle because at some point we are going to periscope Ricky trying to do the bench press. That is, uh, you know, when I think about Kenyon Drake as a prospect, because uh, you know that's kind of how we learn about so many of these players as you think about them as prospects. And you know what? I need to just go back and go look at this. 2015 Alabama Crimson Tide team, four NFL running backs on the roster: Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake, Damian Harris, and Bo Scarborough. I just that I'm just sitting here looking at his college football reference page, and that is crazy to me. So I think that we should look at these. Uh, I think that we should look at some of the rankings and say, okay, who do we want him over for sure? So James Conner. Let's okay. So let's assume we can fast forward a month. Pittsburgh doesn't draft a running back. So their backfield is Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell, James Conner. Same as it was last year. They don't add anyone new. Do we want Kenyon Drake or do we want James Conner? Drake, not even close. Okay, so let's let's uh, let's up it a little bit. Do we want? Uh, okay, let's let's say Atlanta does not draft a running back, though. I think that this is basically impossible. Do we want Todd Gurley back in his home state of Georgia, or do we want do we want Kenyon Drake? Uh, after seeing what Todd Gurley looked like last year, I think it's another Kenyon Drake, not a question for me. Okay. Austin Eckler, assuming again, I think the, the Chargers are not going to sign a running back. So do we want, do we want Austin Eckler or do we want Kenyon Drake? So this is the one that really makes me think this is honestly the guy who I think is a very good comparable to him. I think he's going to catch a ton of passes. So in PPR, I think you have to lean Eckler, even though he's a smaller guy and we're not sure what the red zone usage is going to be. And the thing with Drake, and and that I wrote in this article on Roto Experts, is I think his red zone carries are going up. He had a 28.8% red zone market share over the second half of the season. You mentioned David Johnson was sort of a healthy and active for some of them, although, you know, he was still factoring into it. He touched the ball 19 times in the red zone over the second half of the season. Just to give you an idea, Dalvin Cook 
I know he was dealing with injuries, touched the ball 22 times. There were some other running backs in the top tier that were like the low 20s. So it didn't take much for Drake, you know, over a half a season, just a few more touches in the red zone to be right there with the elite guys. And I know Eckler, you know, saw some targets in the red zone. I think in PPR, I would go Eckler, but I also think Eckler is another guy bordering as a first round pick. So I think that is what tells me that I might be higher on Kenyon Drake than the field. I see some of these, like, if you go to NFC, the ADP around him is Devin Singletary and Miles Sanders are the two guys ahead of him. So I kind of like Miles Sanders. I kind of think that Miles Sanders is interesting in that range because they got rid of Jordan Howard. So Jordan Howard is now a Miami Dolphin. And Boston Scott is like an interesting kind of sprolesy type player, but I mean, it seems like their plan is to use Miles Sanders like a like a workhorse. And and I would probably give the edge to Kenyon Drake because I think that Arizona's offense is going to be better. But it certainly wouldn't surprise me if Miles Sanders recorded 50 more touches than Kenyon Drake in 2020. Ooh, I don't I don't think that's within the range of possibilities. Barring injury, I think Drake is going to have more touches here. I well, just, you gotta you gotta remember the system is always built on multiple running backs. So, so sure they get rid of Jordan Howard, but the next guy they bring in, you know, we saw Corey Clement steal touches from from clear number ones. They they just like to run a running back rotation That's, that I don't think will be the case here. So, a couple guys who I am definitely on your side on that ADP is not. I would prefer Kenyon Drake over Leonard Fournette and over Derrick yeah. Henry for sure. Like I, I just I will not this I will not yeah. this year be able to draft any Leonard Fournette or Derrick Henry because they're just be, they're being valued at their ceilings. They're being valued at their absolute ceilings, and and there's no floor. Like Derrick Henry's going is like the fourth overall player. He I see him as, as since the beginning of this month ADP eight. So, I mean, I think he's a first-round player, but yeah, sure, of course that's closer to a ceiling for a guy who doesn't catch a ton of passes. Well, he just, he needs, he needs the Tennessee Titans to win a bunch of games again, and I don't, I don't, I, I think that that seems unlikely, though possible. Yeah, I agree with that, um, but... It's pretty clear that that Kenyon Drake at 26, I mean, you just take all these factors, this team context. And by the way, last year, eight men in the box percentage, David Johnson and Kenyon Drake were amongst the top five guys. So you add in DeAndre Hopkins and potentially, you know, a solidified offensive line, not that that matters with eight men in the box. But I just think that improves the context so much here that he was effective with eight men in the box. If you slide that defender now into coverage, now there's more seven man. I just think Kenyon Drake is is someone we need to be talking about with the top running backs in fantasy football as opposed to like a third round pick in 12 team leagues. No way. Just absolutely no way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that I think that that's possibly true. One one uh, fly to the ointment for this uh, just well to to the running back ADP is I actually think that Jonathan Taylor assuming a good landing spot. So let's say I mean, we could say Atlanta, but we could I mean, just just name a team that doesn't have a pure entrenched locked in stud, even Pittsburgh, right? Like there are there are ways that Jonathan Taylor could go to a team that's ready to give him. Ezekiel Elliott level touches right away as a rookie. Uh, in my early drafts, I've been pretty much every time taking Jonathan Taylor at the tail end of the second or beginning end of the third. I bet by the time that uh, that we go to do like our our uh, our main event teams and stuff, like our high stakes teams, my guess is that Jonathan Taylor 
ends yeah. up with an ADP of like ninth overall, like RB five. Like I think he will just have an absurdly high ADP. Yeah, DeAndre Swift is another guy with a similar ADP right now. Looking at these NFC drafts, you got the highest Taylor's been taking at 25th overall. So you're already a trendsetter, Davis, and we're we're only into the early days of drafts, but you're taking him about as early as he's gone. That being said, Kenyon Drake, no one's taking him earlier than the 15th pick, and I don't think I would you know let him fall much past that either. So I think we're pretty much on the high end on some of these backs that just haven't adjusted yet. I mean... Again, Leonard Fournette clearly higher than these guys in terms of ADP. I think that'll change as we get closer to the year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Josh Jacobs clearly ahead. How do you feel about that? He's got an ADP of 12. So Josh Jacobs is so interesting. Uh, very funny. Like, at Alabama, he also was never a starting running back. Very yeah. similar to Kenyon Drake. And he was the pass-catching running back, third down back, like they didn't use him in the goal line or anything like that. And he, he had a huge game in the college football playoffs, and that's kind of what brought him to, like I think without that game, he probably doesn't end up going in the first round. And he wasn't great at the combine or anything else either, kind of similar to Kenyon Drake, though he was fine. Um, and But the, the point of that is, is Josh Jacobs was really good at catching passes in college. That was his calling card that was what people thought he was going to do well in the nfl and the oakland raiders were like actually no we're going to use this guy like he's jerome bettis we're going to throw all of our running back passes to jalen richard and deandre washington and sometimes they would even use deandre washington at the goal line ahead of josh jacobs even in games where jacobs was fully healthy and, and jacobs still had you know a good rookie year he still ran for a thousand yards and and was able to put up a respectable fantasy season I, my position would be that Drake is going to have way more ceiling than Jacobs because he plays for an offense that was good for fantasy last year, despite being bad in real life. Like they didn't score any points and they were still good for fantasy. I think they're going to be obviously more likely to score points this year with Deandre Hopkins and, you know, Marcus Mariota as the emergency backup signing doesn't do a ton for me to think that the Raiders are going to magically become better on offense you know like I, I think that they're mostly just going to be bad again yeah I think I trust the way they use Josh Jacobs as opposed to his true skill set and it looks like he's going to be a guy who's more of a bruiser wouldn't be surprised if he caught more passes but Kenyon Drake caught at least 33 passes each half of the season so even when he came over to the Cardinals or sorry 33 targets so there was a lot of balls headed his way plus we saw the goal line usage like you said you know they did take Josh Jacobs off the field at times, I just like the team context so much more of Arizona. They have a serious ceiling here in terms of their offense. They were not great in the red zone last year, but you add, you know, Hopkins as a compliment to Larry Fitzgerald, there's just absolutely no excuse for them to struggle again. I mean, they've got Kyler who can run. You now have Kenyon Drake as a balance to the offense, and you've got those two monster targets. I think this is going to be one of the best offenses for fantasy football. Yeah, I think that that is almost certainly true. You know, Kyler is uh, Kyler's the best. They should theoretically get some help on the offensive line. They are not going to be rolling out, you know, Keyshawn Johnson, Demir Bird style guys as their boundary wide receivers. So that's going to be that's going to be huge for them, right? Just having more talented players. They threw so many targets to non-talented players, and that's definitely going to improve in 2020. So that was our early look at Kenyon Drake, the Arizona Cardinals, and fantasy football running. 
running backs in our first segment. Uh, we are going to go ahead and take a short little break, and we will be back in our second segment to look at some futures bets for the 2020 NFL Draft, looking at Tua, looking at Chase Young, and uh, looking at some of the overall markets for sports betting. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, daily show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pot? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. B. They ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3-0. In a winner chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas, We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. 
Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Davis Maddock and Ricky Sanders here to keep going on the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid. Uh, now, after talking about some fantasy football running backs and Kenyon Drake, we are going to transition to talking about the NFL draft. At some point, we will definitely do uh, some mock draft content here on the Daily Roto Hour. But what I wanted to uh, to talk about today was some NFL draft prop bets. Uh, I just did a segment on the FanDuel Hurry Up for NFL draft prop bets, and uh, we we had six there. But honestly, I have uh, I have a lot more of these bets to get out, Ricky. I, I got to say, the NFL draft, it's really been a light at the end of the tunnel for me. Just knowing that the NFL draft is still happening, it's really, it's kept it's kept morale high in the Maddox household. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, having something to look forward to is why I always book vacations. Just so, even if it's like a year or two out, it just keeps that twinkle in your eye. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I just wish I had more hope for my my Bears, but at least there's, you know, 31 other teams to look at. Yeah, there, uh, there definitely are lots of teams to look at. And, uh, you know, your Chicago Bears, due to their penchant for trading all their picks away, this uh, NFL draft, probably not going to be all of that fun for you to watch as a Bears fan. So there are uh, there are some interesting odds, though. So the number two overall pick, I think, is is very interesting to wager on because uh, we know that we know that Joe Burrow is going to go first overall. The Cincinnati Bengals, they're going to take Joe Burrow from LSU. Uh, There's just I mean, if uh, if you had uh, a spare, you know, three million dollars laying around, maybe you go (laughs) lay it on Joe Burrow minus thirty five thousand or thirty five hundred rather on FanDuel Sportsbook. So uh, you could get, uh, you know, you like that. It's a great it's a great way to, uh, you know make seven cents on a whatever the limit for that for that bet would be but chase young number two overall minus 330 i actually think that i would i would bet this one normally i don't bet these like super heavy juice lines but i would actually bet this one because tua is not going number two overall they're not going to take jeffrey okuda uh the the cornerback they're not gonna he's not going number two overall i i think the only way that Chase Young, the defensive end from Ohio State, does not go number two overall, Ricky, is if some non-Miami team desperately wants to, uh, like, just wants him so bad and absolutely backs it up to get to number two overall and take him. You don't think there's a chance that the Dolphins move up to number two to try and just assure that they're getting him? I think that's within the range of outcomes. You think I? I mean, so that being in the range of outcomes is why this is not priced like Joe Burrow, right? right. Like that's why it's not priced at like minus nine thousand. Uh, maybe it is in the range of outcomes, but you have to think like the Dolphins are picking. I think they pick fourth, right? So, what is like? I I just I don't yeah. understand. By the way, I don't. Yeah. So I just I think that. Uh, I think that the most likely outcome is that the top of this. Like I think that the top of this draft is going to be way more chalky than the average draft. So like if you just look at it, Washington just spent a first round draft pick on a quarterback. The Detroit Lions owe Matt Stafford like a kajillion dollars conservatively. <laughs> like they owe him they owe him so much money. The New York Giants just spent the number six overall pick on Daniel Jones. Um and I think they like Daniel Jones. So for me, 
I actually think the the threat to this would be the Chargers moving up, not the Dolphins, because I think the Dolphins are doing the money ball thing, and they're like, you know, if someone snaps and moves to a whatever, and maybe who knows, maybe by maybe by the time the NFL draft comes down, maybe they've signed Cam Newton, maybe they've signed Andy Dalton, uh, maybe they've traded for Derek Carr, right? Because they the the Raiders signed Marcus Mariota, and they want to get off of Derek Carr's money right now. There are more competent starting quarterbacks in the NFL than starting NFL spots. Maybe the Dolphins signed Jameis. How fun would that be? Yeah, but we've all played dynasty leagues, and we know the anxiety sets in as we get closer to the draft. Like if that you, is true. If you've tanked an entire year and you had a player in mind, especially if you're an NFL GM and you know it's riding on a quarterback, you're not going to let things fall by chance. I mean, you've been tanking for a while now if you're the Dolphins. I think two is the guy they want. So, you know, sure, we're confident now and we can go through those scenarios. But then you get to the draft night and you're sitting there and the clock's counting down after the first t- you know, pick has been made. It's a very different feeling than it is weeks out. So there is some anxiety that sets in. Um, I know we just did a fantasy draft for all-time NBA players. When you and I were on the clock, we freaked out. I mean, we, 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 we really did. We really did. Down to it. <laughs> so... Yeah. I think you have to add that into it, but I think it's properly priced. Let's put it that way when looking at these FanDuel lines. I think Chase Young is the big favorite. I just think there is some merit to Tua at plus 210 just for the anxiety factor alone. I mean, I guess I would say something that is certainly true about betting on these events that are not... Like, this is not a sports game, right? So it's not like we're putting a ton of, like, matchup data or machine learning into this. Like, this is—it's not a subjective thing because either someone will be picked second or they won't be. But it is not, like, hardcore mathematical analysis going into this. And if you just said, I'm never taking minus money in that situation, I only want to take money where I'm getting plus, like where I'm getting more than a dollar back for every dollar that I put in. I think that that is probably a reasonable way to approach some of this prop betting. So I, I and uh, Ricky, though, if you did want to, if you wanted to double bet on Tua, you could bet Tua plus 210, number two overall pick or minus 110 for the number three overall pick, which one do you like more? Oh, man. Giving up those sort of odds are never my favorite, but still being about even money for the third pick, I think I'd prefer him there. Yeah, I, I think that that I think that that is probably reasonable. I also... Um, I also like betting on Jeff Okuda for some of these, and he actually doesn't even ha- uh, like his odds for number three overall are like sliced in half. But he is like Jeff Okuda is going to be a household name in like three years. He's like the bet he's like the best cornerback that's come out of college in like since Byron Jones for the Cowboys. So I I like betting uh, I like betting some of those. You can also get on FanDuel, and this is not offered at a ton of sports books, you can get the exacta for the beginning of the draft, which is, you know, the first three picks in the exact order. Uh, and I, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I, I do really like laying the chalk of Burrow, Young, Tua, but also I don't hate also betting Burrow, Tua, Chase Young. Like I, I actually, I actually like both of those a good bit. Just to clarify, can you box that like you can in horse racing? So any order? Um, 
so like it yeah i mean if you wanted to if you want it like so that they have nine options available at and burrow young tua is plus 100 all the way down to at 33 to one they have burrow chase young justin herbert so you could all like you and you could bet multiple of these also if you wanted of, of yeah course. so you could basically box it by betting multiples yeah I, I mean that would certainly be interesting because then it wouldn't matter which order your horses finish if you do feel confident and you're not sure if you're on Tua before Chase Young and vice versa and you think there's longer odds, you could take both of those exactas and with the exactas, you'll get better odds than just, you know, placing the, you know, the Joe Burrow to win plus, you know, a Chase Young for number two. It's that's why people do exactas, right? It's because you get those longer odds. Yeah. So. Uh, another another interesting one, and I, I this is actually a, a great thing that is that exists about legal American sports books is we never used to get lines like this. Uh, but Eagles first draft pick, you know, obviously because the FanDuel sportsbook is up and running in Pennsylvania, they have these localized market bets. Um, Henry Ruggs to be selected as the Eagles first pick at six to one. Basically, all offseason, Henry Ruggs has been rumored to be the selection for the Philadelphia Eagles at their uh, draft position. I believe they are 21st overall. Uh, yeah, that is correct. They are 21st overall. So the threat the threat for this one, believe it or not, is not that they wouldn't select Henry Ruggs, but that he might get picked off before they select, um, which feels weird about a wide receiver who you know never had a 1,000-yard season in Alabama, so on and so forth, but... Uh, and this is going to be the wide receiver class. Like this is going to be similar to the 2014 wide receiver class. Uh, or Ricky, you could, you could bet some of the deeper wide receivers to be selected for them. Like, so would you prefer, you know, rugs at six to one, or would you prefer the, uh, not the exact, like the, the scatter shot of betting Denzel Mims, CD lamb, Jalen Rager, T Higgins style. Well, because Jefferson's such a huge favorite here, and it seems like this team needs a receiver. They were just dreadful last year. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey aging, Nelson Nelson Aguilar is gone, and probably for good reason if you ask some of their fans, especially that guy who was— They uh, hated him. Was it was it the guy who was saved by a fire truck who, who yes. said something like with Nelson Aguilar's hands? Yeah. Well, if you ask him, they definitely need a receiver here, and you can bet— three or four of these guys and if one hits you're still profitable as long as it's not Jefferson so I'd take the route of going with one of the longer odds players I mean it's clearly in the same position and like you mentioned these guys could go before to 20th pick crazy things happen I would not want to take a favorite as a guy in, in the, the the 20s in terms of picks especially just don't, when... just don't take like huge favorites in NFL draft betting that's yeah. pretty good advice exactly yeah. exactly so um, I think right. Mims is my guy here by the way love love Denzel Mims if you guys out there are playing in dynasty fantasy football leagues and you're doing startups or rookie drafts right now Denzel Mims is I think a uh, a pretty good value so uh, let's look at some individual draft position bets on the FanDuel Sportsbook uh, Ricky this would align with your earlier wager you can get to a under 2.5 so some team panics trades up for him you get uh, plus 220 for your money on that one I mean, it's almost the identical line to where, what was he at number two? It wasn't the exact same, was it? Well, it, it was off by 20 cents, I think, the other way. Yeah, he's plus 210. Uh, you might as well bet it here and get the, the extra, like you said, get the extra juice here. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Because he's not going one, 
So if he's going to go, he's going to go two. Take plus two twenty. That's why you got to make sure to you know kind of look at the entire board here. You're getting better odds, and if in the off chance that you hit, uh, take the under here. I think the over is obviously the favorite and priced as such, but I I would take this at plus two twenty. So, a guy who I do not get. Jordan Love is like this year's Daniel Jones. His draft position is being lined up as uh, 13 and a half. So uh, the over would be 14. That would be the winner. 13 uh, would be the winner on the under. I like the over on this one at minus 112. I, I think that every year there is a quarterback that is overdrafted. But I mean, Jordan Love like his final season at Utah State, 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, 7.2 YPA, you know, never threw for over uh, 3,600 yards in college. Uh, I guess he does run a little bit. Like he's a little bit, like he ran for like 400 yards in college, but kind of looking at the top 10. So we we think that, uh, you know, up to number five, most of those teams are happy with Tua. It The, the threat would be that the Chargers would take him or I guess that maybe the Raiders would take him or some team trades up. It's crazy for me to think of the Chargers going from their franchise guy, Phillip Rivers, down to Jordan Love, but I, that that would be the threat. Jordan Love to the Chargers is what scares you there. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because if you're scared of the Chargers moving up, then you certainly got to be scared of them taking Love here if you're taking the over. Um, I mean, it's not a good offensive line. So you then ask yourself, does maybe the Chargers want to go in the direction of a rushing quarterback to kind of take some of the you know pressure off that offensive line? Sort of like we saw with uh, the Cardinals, who we talked about in that first segment, where they were a top rushing team with a below average, you know, rushing uh, a run blocking, you know, number, according to pro football focus. So I think there's some allure in that sense. But I don't think the Chargers do it either when it comes down to it. I would take the over here with Jordan Love. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that that is pretty reasonable. So another over that I like, uh, and it did not it did not start out this way, but Jerry Judy over eleven and a half. He had just like a pretty poor combine, not not like terrible, like it wasn't like he made himself undraftable or anything, but he was just okay. And you, the threat that you are seeing on Jerry Judy is uh, the New York the New York Jets could theoretically take him. I think, though, that CeeDee Lamb is going to go ahead of Jerry Judy in the NFL draft, and you're you're getting a pretty decent price. Like, what instead of um, instead of moving Jerry Judy's draft position, the sportsbook has just moved the odds. So the over on 11.5 as his draft position is minus 142. I feel pretty confident he is going later than that, though, so I'm, I'm willing to lay that number. It's always tough to tell with these mediocre combine guys how much stock teams put into right. it. Sometimes we we think about it, and then they still go at their normal spot. Um, the Jets definitely need a receiver. It would not shock me if Judy does move down the list now. And if I recall, Judy's the favorite for the Jets here. So I just don't want to be betting favorites in general. But the over-under kind of makes it a little bit more of a difficult bet. You're basically saying, are the Jets taking them or not? And if you think the answer is no, you might as well bet the players as opposed to the over-under here because the over is only paying 142, but you can certainly do both and go over 142 and take one of the long shots and get, you know, those plus 600 type odds. All right, so this is my, this is the Davis Matic stone lock. This will <laughs> win. Uh, you can You can take it to the bank and you can spend the money already. Jalen Hurts, 
under 75 and a half as his draft position, minus 112. Uh, I would probably bet the under on this at 60, maybe even at 50. I, I mean, he is he is more I think he is more likely to go in the first round than he is to go in the third round. I think that uh, this type of quarterback, the running developmental quarterback who was like crazy good in college was like, you know, uh, like a potential Heisman Trophy winner in college. That guy maybe 15 years ago, that guy goes into the fourth round and no and and then whatever team tries to draft him turns him into a pocket passer. Now that we have seen, I mean, Cam Newton was the original, but we've seen uh, Lamar Jackson. We've seen Josh Allen. uh, Taysom Hill is a thing. All of a sudden, like Jalen Hurts is going to be drafted before the 75th pick for sure. Yeah, I mean, I saw uh, NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah talking about how he thought the Raiders were a perfect fit for him. I don't think they're doing it in the first round, Um, but... It, it, like you said, the game has changed a bit to the point where you can see a lot of teams thinking, well, my quarterback is iffy. I'd like to maybe, you know, hedge here and, and shoot for a quarterback in the future as the second guy that I don't need immediately. I think he fits a lot of teams as that sort of piece. This modern quarterback does not seem like it should should be falling to 75 and a half. I mean, we saw Russell Wilson was maybe the original original uh, in terms of that. Uh, falling too far and I don't think teams are going to let that happen I don't know if it's a stone cold lock as you're suggesting but I do think it's likely by the 60s we do have him gone in this draft so so I would be on the under as well there we go we got the under on Jalen Hurts and that will wrap up our NFL draft prop betting segment and we will be back to close the Daily Roto hour out with some MLB news and futures betting analysis dailyroto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. 
I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Poppy. They ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3 0. In a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts final segment of the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid. My name is Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders. Uh, we ran through some NFL fantasy football, ran through some NFL draft betting. We're going to close the Daily Roto Hour out with some MLB news and then a, a, a little look at the MLB futures market as we do expect that we are going to get Major League Baseball back this season. And uh, Ricky, I got to say, no team has benefited more from the beginning of the season being suspended than the New York Yankees. They're getting Giancarlo Stanton healthy. They're getting Aaron Judge healthy. They're getting Gary Sanchez healthy. It seems like uh, this is really breaking the New York Yankees way. So I will disagree in the sense that I don't think Aaron Judge is a lock to be healthy. He okay. hurt, He hurt himself in the playoffs. And it was a rib injury when he was diving. And he had the whole offseason to kind of deal with this. And in spring training, it flared up again. So it, it legitimately seems like surgery is the potential route here. Because if it didn't heal in whatever it was, five months during the offseason, it's very likely that they, they said they were going to go to rest again. But I don't see what another you know month of rest is going to do having the entire offseason. So I think Judge is the outlier there. But you also didn't mention James Paxton. Uh, who benefits from this layoff. I mean, he had a cyst removed, and he was expected to miss, I think it was three to four months. Now, because the season's been pushed back, he might not miss a single pitch by the time we get to the season, uh, which means that instead of the end of this rotation, you know, figuring out some of the names behind Jordan Montgomery, who I think was the clear number four with Paxton out, uh, all of a sudden Montgomery can become the five and Paxton will will sit, you know, towards the beginning of this rotation that also includes Garrett Cole. So getting Giancarlo Stanton back, getting James Paxton back, I think is enough to consider them the favorite 
Uh, we'll see what happens with Aaron Judge, but the outfield is loaded. I mean, they have guys like Clint Frazier. I know Aaron Hicks has been hurting. This may potentially help him in his way back. Uh, there, there's just so many options. Mike Taufman was a guy who was a breakout player last year. Uh, Brett Gardner, we haven't even mentioned his name. So this Yankees outfield at least is suited to take on some of these injuries. Um, if you move Stanton into the field, you have some other DH options as well that emerged last year. So I think this Yankees team is awfully good. I think even with Aaron Judge out there, the favorite in the American League, if they have Aaron Judge, they're just the overwhelming favorites. Yeah, there are a couple other guys who are also benefiting from the delayed start of the season. Eugenio Suarez had a surgery in January to remove some kind of like broken up cartilage in his shoulder, and he was likely not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. But uh, it seems that had spring training been happening right now, he would have just been cleared to start throwing and and fielding again. That basically means that probably by the like, I guess, assuming that he is able to get some sort of training regimen in, it seems like Suarez will probably be in the Cincinnati Reds opening day lineup, Ricky. Yeah, and Suarez is just one of my favorite guys in terms of fantasy. He plays in that fantastic park. He's an absolute monster against lefties. And third base is a position where there's quite a bit of value. So, he, you know, people will overlook him. There's Josh Donaldson. There's, there's just a ton of other options at third base. I think from day one, he should be good to go. This Reds lineup as a whole should be improved against lefties. Uh, and I love Eugenio Suarez, but he's certainly not the only other guy, by the way. The, the pitchers, I think, were the ones who were helped here. Uh, you look at Mike Clevenger and Justin Verlander were two guys who I, who I thought were the big winners here as well. Uh, Clevenger was a guy who I thought was a tough blow for the Indians. I mean, when you were thinking about drafting in March prior to this you know, crisis, we were thinking, you know, this guy goes a surgery to uh, uh, t- you know, repair uh, his meniscus. And we were going to be without him for for some time. So it was unclear. I mean, his ADP was still flirting around top 10 in terms of starters because he wasn't supposed to miss that long. But I thought it was a bit more unclear than that. And I thought there was value to passing on him, but no longer. I mean, Mike Clevenger, when he's good to go, is about an 11K per nine guy uh, in the mid double digits of swinging strike rate. The Indians should have him back. Him and Shane Bieber is just an awesome one, two. And Justin Verlander, once he noticed that this season was getting pushed back, uh, decided that he was going to go under the knife. He said it would probably t- have taken a miracle for him to you know, pitch opening day. Originally, that's not the case anymore. Justin Verlander, um, he underwent right groin surgery, which I can't even imagine the pain of that. Don't really want to. Even though the original prognosis on him was a strained lat. So I don't know if they were just BSing the public in terms of what the injury was or there were multiple things going on. But either way, we're going to get that fixed with Justin Verlander and he should be back to, you know, a top three starting pitcher because he has enough time to sit. I mean, I don't see this league starting before, you know, June. So we should have plenty of time for, for Justin Verlander to get there. So original ADPs should still hold for guys like Suarez, Clevenger, and Verlander, where we were seriously worried a month ago whether or not that would be the case. Uh, a guy who's uh, a guy who's, who's original ADP not going to hold Chris Sale, yeah. Tommy John surgery. Uh, I mean, the Red Sox they're they're in tough shape. Traded away Mookie Betts, their their ace Chris Sale, Dust, David Price on the Los Angeles Dodgers. What what? What hope do the like? What is the hope as a Boston Red Sox fan heading into the 2020 uh, shortened season? What do we What do we think is going to happen? I don't know. I mean, the Red Sox fans seem to be hopeful prior to the sale news, and I just didn't see it. 
they didn't go out and do a ton that I really liked in this offseason to the point that you look at this AL East now, I think people are going to look at the Red Sox and see plus 1,500 and really like that number. But without their true number one starter I, and without Mookie Betts, I mean, I'm just not in love with this team. I think there's uh, there's a lot more value to targeting a team like the Blue Jays here at plus 3,800 than there is to the Red Sox at plus 1,500. I think the Red Sox just do not have enough where at least the Blue Jays have some young talent where we're not sure exactly what their ceiling is. They have a potential ace in Nate Pearson. I mean, I think I'm the biggest Nate Pearson supporter uh, in in all the fantasy world, because I think this guy steps in and he is immediately a top two, you know, fantasy starting pitcher. He throws a hundred with ease. He is going to be a star. We haven't seen the ceiling from Vlad Guerrero. He had a very tough, you know, first half last year. I think Kavan Biggio is already one of the most patient hitters in the league. So I think there's bits and pieces here. You know, you bring in Ryu to be your number one guy that if you're betting this division, I'm just completely overlooking the Red Sox, not even looking at them. I think you can probably overlook the Orioles as well. So if you're going to bet this division, it comes down to the Yankees, who are the huge favorites. And if you want to get some value, the Tampa Bay Rays are a solid ball club as well. Their pitching staff is awfully good with, with Glass now back. But I think the Blue Jays, if you really want to try for the big payday, that would be the play here in the AL East. Yeah, uh, I definitely, I definitely do like that. Uh, no other, no other big news happening in Major League Baseball right now. Uh, it's you know, it's kind of hard for, it's kind of hard for these guys to get injured when they are, uh, when they're not playing. But right. I do have, I do have a, a, well, two things that I think that we should think about as we are uh, about to start talking about some futures betting and uh, and some of the maybe Cy Young awards as those odds get re-released do you think that with the tightly condensed schedule you know this is something that was pointed out to me by jeff collins on a recent episode of the take cast in basketball and in football you can't play doubleheaders, right it just like phys- like physiologically it just the body like the bodies of these guys won't let them do that right. i mean in baseball they could literally play two games and i mean not every day but four days a week five days a week and the way that the way that that could happen is M- the MLB for one season could expand rosters. You could have every you could expand the rosters to 30 or you could have the full 40 man roster called up and you could have 10 relievers. You could have four loogies. You could have eight long relievers or whatever. Um, can you think of a team like well, I, I can think of a team that that would specifically benefit. It would be it would be a team like the Oakland Athletics that have like literally like an unending supply of long relievers who could pitch three innings or the Rays. Right. The Rays are another team that just has they have 20 guys who can pitch three major league innings at a time if they have to. Yeah, and the teams that are willing to go with the hitter platoons to give guys days off. So in the yeah. national, the National League, the Brewers are one of those. Where last year uh, we were always worried about how we were going to stack them because they could split it up lefty righty. They've done that at catcher this year with Yasmani Grandal leaving. Now they've got kind of the lefty righty platoon there. We know they're doing it at first base. They have a plethora of outfielders. So those sort of teams and the ones with relievers, the the problem is what is the quality of reliever coming up from the minor leagues? Like last year, uh, the Cubs had a bunch of guys up and down. The guys who were coming from the minors weren't really helping them. So sure, you could, you know, take some stress off of their typical relievers. They weren't great. I think the Rays are a great example, though, of an organization who can develop the minor league pitchers. We saw them come up and down. I mean, 
Uh, right now, their bullpen just has a bunch of those guys who, who last year, I mean, they were going transitioning from the closer role to pitching in the sixth. I mean, you would see that all the time with them. Guy earlier in the week gets the save. He's pitching the sixth later in the week. So teams with the, the quality of depth in their bullpen, sort of the money ball type teams. I think the Rays are another one who are an extension of the Oakland Athletics. But I think the Brewers are the National League team, at least in terms of the hitting department, that could be considered somewhat similar. Yeah, I think that that is certainly true. So let's uh, let's take a look at some of these odds being offered right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I and the, it's so funny. The Tampa Bay Rays number is by far my favorite. I luckily was able to book it earlier uh, before they before like so the Rays are a popular pick now. They are uh, like eighteen to one to win the World Series. I think that I think that they should be ahead of the Twins that are at 16 to one. I think the Rays pitching is clearly better, and I I gotta I gotta be honest, Ricky. I just I think that the Astros are gonna have a tough time. I think that I yeah. I, I am firmly of the belief that like sure Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, like I think all those guys are great hitters. For me, I think the overwhelming evidence shows that they were clearly benefiting from cheating though and and i think that it's just going to be very hard for them to adjust to this new reality and not only adjust to the new reality of not knowing what's coming a lot of the time but every team is just going to absolutely give them their all like and they're going to get hit by a bunch of pitches like it's just going to be a bad season to be an astro yeah, and I think Dusty Baker is actually sort of a downgrade in terms of their managerial, like how they're going to yeah. have to approach some of this pitching staff. There's just guys you have to be careful with, guys like Lance McCullers who are coming back. And Dusty Baker really doesn't love being careful with any one of his pitchers. We've seen it with Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor famously. Uh, I think Justin Verlander, once he's healthy, I mean, last year he was pitching deep into games, but this year he may even pitch deeper into games with Dusty Baker. Uh, There's just a lot of issues with the Astros. You covered the other one, so I'm not going to go back over, but like looking at teams that there's value, I agree with the Rays, by the way. Their depth chart is excellent. Uh, They added Hunter Renfro in left field. They, you know, have Brandon Lau coming back healthy, who was just excellent last year. I mean, a double-digit home run steals guy who I think average may be a concern, uh, but a whole filler there and, and most of the lineup back. Like I mentioned, Tyler Glasnow is just a huge coming back because you have the Blake Snell, Glasnow, Morton, one, two, three, which you could basically rely on for most of the playoffs. And you could probably use the three-man rotation and not even have to go deeper than that. But I like the White Sox as kind of an outlier team at plus 3,300. There's no reason why the Cleveland Indians, the Chicago Cubs, uh, the Cincinnati Reds, they should be, you know, they should have odds at plus 3,000 when the White Sox are at plus 3,300. I'm not sure people realize just how much, not only the layoff, but the offseason helped this team. Uh, Luis Roberts signed with the team. So he's going to be with the team from day one. And he is the next big prospect. I write, I wrote an entire piece. I think it was on daily Roto about Luis Robert and how he's the exact same size as Fernando Tatis, like literally to the inch and the pound they're listed the exact same. I think it's six, three, one eighty five, if I recall, and not saying that he's going to come in and hit 22 homers like Tatis did as a rookie, you know, in, in basically half a season. But he certainly has the potential. You watch those, uh, you know, stats of him in preseason. He looks like he is the next best thing. And he's going to be hitting eighth in this White Sox lineup. Like, they don't have to test him 
because this lineup is so damn good. You've got Yasmani Grandal, you've got Edwin Encarnacion, you've got Nomar Mazzara added to a lineup that already had the AL leader in average and Tim Tim Anderson last year. Yoan Mankata took a huge what, step. What was what was Tim Anderson's batting average on balls in play last year, Ricky? Oh, do you, was, do you... I, I don't recall, <laughs> but it was ridiculous. I mean, I think there's a, a case to be made that he doesn't hit over 300 this year, but he's still, I mean, I still love him for fantasy. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, so... I think that the markets all certainly disagree with you, but as far as it, and I, I don't think that they disagree with you because of the hitting. I think that the market thinks that the White Sox pitchers are all terrible. Okay, but so here we go. Lucas Giolito, I, maybe the market is expecting him to depreciate a little, but I think they agree that he's the best pitcher that they have to offer. Michael Kopech, with the you know the way this season has been extended, there's just less innings that they would have to push him if it's a more condensed schedule. So I think there's more of a reason for them to use him as a starter, especially if they're playing for the playoffs. And then the extended layoff gives Carlos Rodon time to return from his, uh, what was it, Tommy John surgery for Carlos Rodon. So you have Dallas Keuchel, you've got Giolito, you've got um, Dylan Cease, who showed flashes last year. I don't think the rotation is bad as everyone's selling it to be, especially if you can get Rodon back and in rhythm and kind of, you know, like Sean Manaya towards the end of last year, where he came back, he had time to adjust, and then he was he was looking like the Sean Manaya of old. If we can get that similar sort of period with Rodon, I don't think this White Sox rotation is that bad. And their bullpen's pretty good. They just signed Bummer uh, to an extension. Uh, I don't think the bullpen's hurting either. So I think they're they're pretty competitive in all three aspects. Obviously, the selling point is the the lineup, but I don't think the staff's half bad either. I think I think those are some reasonable positions. Uh, I will not be betting the the Chicago White Sox to win the World Series at thirty three to one. If I were to take a team deeper than the Oakland Athletics at twenty five to one, the only wagers I have placed as of right now. Rays 18 to 1, Oakland Athletics 25 to 1. I think the Milwaukee Brewers at 35 to 1. They have no pitching of which to speak, uh, very similar to the Chicago White Sox. However, they have a lineup that, uh, abs like, I mean, both sides of the plate absolutely crushes. They play in a hitter's park. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit easier to get lucky over the course of the season and running into a pitcher breakout or trading for a good pitcher who plays on a bad team. You know, some of these, some of these, uh, you know, like, some of these teams are going to have to sell starters at a certain point. The Brewers could certainly be buyers. They play in the NL. It's a little bit easier to pitch there. But that is going to do it for us today at the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock. For Ricky Sanders, we are signing off, and we will go ahead and be back to chat with you guys soon. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cam Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102. 
if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.